podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Buzz Podcast slash One Up. If there is still that confusion there, I am your host, Guy Drinkle, and we have a lot to talk about. So I will introduce my guests and we will almost get straight into it. But I I said guests there on purpose. Guy, I'll introduce Carl first. How are you doing, Carl? Not too bad, Guy. How about yourself? Too hot. Yeah, no, that's the that's yeah. problem I'm just trying to ignore. <laughs> yeah, I have the window open, so if anything goes past, <laughs> you just look at not a fan, people. <laughs> but, as I said, it's guests. We promised him about three times already. And it's Stephen Bowman-Adam, who you probably know from other AI podcasts. How are you doing, Stephen? Very good, thank you. So, you're a new guest. This is obviously a gaming podcast. We... I don't know how much you've been NDA'd and stuff, so I'll let you at your own discretion talk about stuff. But, uh, well, introduce us about how, what you like about games and your journey, if you can, and stuff like that, and then we'll quiz you a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've played games since tapes. I think my first video game was Repton on the BBC B Plus microcomputer. And then, because my dad was tight, he wouldn't buy me... Um, What's it called? Space Invaders. He bought me the book to code it. So I had to code the first three levels of Space Invader. So yeah. it was inevitable I'd end up in gating. That is the last time I coded a level of, of any type of game. And that was 30 years ago. Plus. But I've gone from BBC B to PC to PS2 to Xbox, all the way through Xboxes, back to PC gaming. And I've Basically play games ever since I discovered the first one. And Sega Game Gear. Sega Game Gear was the best thing ever. Oh my god, you had a Game Gear. I don't think I've ever met anyone in my life that has uh, had a Game Gear. I mean, that's 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 a deep cut. That's my favourite all-time like, gaming device, was the Game Gear. It was amazing. So what you're saying, Stephen, is you're old. <laughs> you know I'm old. Uh, to, to be fair, Stephen, you know, when we started this podcast, Guy and I both did kind of our gaming histories and I, my first games were played on a Commodore 64 that my older brothers had. So, you know, we, we share that line that we both had to wait for tapes to load. You know, we know that pain, you know, Guy just had to deal with, with cartridges, you know, that and, and then CD-ROMs. Like, you know, he doesn't know the pain of just waiting for, for a solid five minutes while a tape loads. I mean, I int- I experienced videotapes. I don't know if that counts. It's not in gaming sphere, but I had the Phantom Menace on VCR and, and whatnot. Maybe yeah, you never had to, like, swap tape and rewind it to change levels, have you? No, that sounds awful. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you both like games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, Stephen, right, first, not first game, because you answered that. What's your favourite game? And you can't do one you're working on, because that's cheating and free advertising. It's a really close tie between the Football Manager games from Chapman and Halo. I think Halo wins. I've probably put more hours into that, just about. Um, But I have the unpopular opinion of having... Owned every Halo apart from Halo 2, but I haven't played any of the um, Halo Wars games, even though I own them. It, Halo 4 is my favourite. 
And I, I, know, I know it shouldn't be, and I know it's sacrilege, but surprisingly, quite a lot of people in my current studio are like Halo 4. There's just something about if you can get over the bungee thing, that just the, the mission flow is really, really good. I, I mean, I, I like I like Halo 4 as well. And I think Guy, Guy is a reasonable fan of Halo 4 as well. So we, we won't take that too controversial. Now, it, it's still crazy that you're not saying Halo 2 or, or 3. You didn't play Halo 2. Yeah. No, I've played Halo 2. Oh, I thought you said you didn't have Halo 2. Well, I, te- I guess technically I do, because I've got Master Chief Collection, but I didn't have it at the time. Oh, that okay. That's the one I didn't have on Xbox when it came out for whatever reason. I don't let you Man, I've never played ODST. Um, Halo 3 is like my least favourite out of all of them. <sighs> now that's, uh, oh, that's, uh, oh, oh. that's controversial. Uh, that that's controversial. Fun story for you on Halo Two, actually, which I think I I told on the podcast before. But for for your benefit, Steve, I once left an exam early because my mate texted me that he'd gotten Halo Two like the day it came out, and I went over to his house to play it, and we pulled an all nighter and finished the campaign. Great times. That's uh, GCSEP with Red Dead Redemption One. Good times. <laughs> first ever time I played Halo it was with. A- a friend in, in halls at uni and we started playing the first mission i was like this is pretty fun and i was a massive like do doom and unreal are the best games ever and i was like this won't be as good as those two games we started playing it and then it was eight nine hours later and we'd finished the complete campaign so we decided at one o'clock in the morning to start playing it on legendary and we played all the way through until like 10 in the morning so played halo for the best part of probably 18, 20 hours to complete the campaign on normal, straight through mm. to Legendary. That's the yeah. only way to do it. Like I, I think I've pulled all-nighters for both Halo 2 and, and 3. Yeah. Um, 3 was great. We did a whole four-player campaign for it. It was, it was fantastic. That's um, why I specifically hate Halo Infinite. Because yeah, if that had co-op, it could have actually been... Well, the, the campaign was good. But if you had, it's ca- the if you had co-op... I've never finished, Guy, like... It, it doesn't work. Halo for me doesn't work as an open world experience. You're the, the way the stories have always been, especially the Cortana centric ones. Is something happens, it takes you to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And trying to add in like decision making, should I go and do this and go and do that? It takes away the peril of Cortana or Halsey or someone else saying everyone's gonna fucking die. Go here now. And it loses some of the drama having like the aimless wandering around and having to do with fobs and. Maybe See, I didn't mind that, but it did kind of. I say Far Cry, but this is more Far Cry Five and Six and beyond, where it was just an empty wasteland and it hasn't changed since Far Cry Three. It kind of felt like that, but the grid, uh, the zipline was fun. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, some of the mechanics are fun, and I think the cutscenes are great. I mean. I love cutscenes, hence my job. But um, I think the cutscenes and the storytelling is quite good. I just don't think the map and level design works. I think it's just it's not an open world type game and experience that people yeah. want. That's why people aren't going back to it. I think maybe when it's co-op, I'll go back and replay it. Maybe with you boys if you want to, but not in single player. I just haven't finished it. I don't have any desire to finish it. I don't think it's even installed at, at the moment. But I love the other ones. Like Highway 5, I even waited up for midnight, logged in with a mate from an old job, and we played it till about 6 in the morning. 
And then when we both started work at nine o'clock, and why the boss was like, "God, you two are fucking tired." And we were like, "Yeah, we've been playing Halo till three hours ago." Because, 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 again, for their faults, like Halo Four and Five, they were fun. If you could get off your high horse about who made them, like I had a rather heated debate with a member of Game about Halo Four. <laughs> Actually, this this leads nicely into what my quick fire question is. Yeah, I want to know what your biggest gaming pet peeve is. Oh God, at the moment it's it, it's this obsession that every game has to be a hundred hours long. Like everything has to take you like three years to complete. I really miss being able to pick up a campaign and play it in a weekend. And there were so many great games, like like all the way through my console era like years of like getting a game playing it in a weekend like completing the first three gears of wars like the night i got them you know running through apart from halo 2 and halo infinite all of those i beat the weekend i got it um you know even stuff like metal gear solid which would make you want to throw your controller through a window you could still finish it in a weekend right i really miss the days of being able to just play a story be like that's good now i want to play it again it's harder and <laughs> and this just these humongous games like i love horizon zero dawn it's such a beautiful game but i still haven't finished it because it's too big and like the witcher I, I was like i've done 20 hours of the witcher and i've done actually haven't done anything yeah i've defeated like a griffin thing and giving me stuff about potions and there's some weird fucking card game like how have I put 20 hours well, into my life and I don't know what's going on? Never like, slag off Gwent. <laughs> I didn't slag really? it off. I didn't fucking play it. I just can't, I can't, I don't have the attention span and patience right. for games that you get that far and you don't feel like you've done anything. I like stories and I want to feel like I've done a part of the story quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I speak for Guy and myself when I say we're both huge fans of, of the, the Witcher Three. Obviously, we, we did a we did a review of it on on this uh, podcast at one point and, and had a guest with us, and all three of us were highly positive. and And I do think that's for me is an example of a long game that probably held my interest the longest. But I did find by the time I was on the second expansion, which is like the second expansion, Blood and Wine, is bigger than a lot of games are. Like it's a, it's a 40, 50 hour campaign. And I did find I was just trying to rush to finish it because I was just like, I've been in this game too long. And we were talking on the, the WhatsApp earlier about uh, Assassin's Creed and I played through Odyssey and I loved it. But at the same time, like I was, I, I'm obsessed with Greece. So I was trying to do everything, go to every corner. And then suddenly I'd look and I'd been in the game for 40 hours and I wasn't anywhere in the campaign. And I was like, I've just been playing this game too long. So I had to just start fast traveling everywhere and racing across the map. So I do think games are, you know, they have to find that balance. So yeah, I do understand where you're coming from. I do think we're seeing some improvements, you know, some, some, studios seem to be moving it we'll talk about one obviously when we we get on to the xbox event a, a game that appears to have been scaled back to to make it a, a more linear experience so maybe that's a positive trend that we'll, we'll see yeah one of my favorite games i've played in the last five years is, is oxen free if you've played it i have yeah it's a great game bit of a point and click adventure but it's got just a nice you, you can do it in about six hours but and, it, and then you feel like you can do it again because it tells you how you 
tells you what, what percentage you fit in for the things that you did. That one I'm ruining it for. But I think I was like one of the nine percent of people that lets one of the characters die. Um, you know, and it's kind of it feels like you can go back because it because it's short enough but engaging enough. You want to go and play it a second time and a third time. And I like that in games. I just yeah. So my pet peeve is games being long for the sake of being long. Good job, Xbox just didn't have a whole thing about 200 RPGs, which we'll get into. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, as I kind of alluded to in the intro, there's been a million game conferences, and we're going to go through them. So this might be 12 hours long, might be two hours long, might be one hour long. Probably won't be one hour long, (laughs) but we'll get into them. Um, I mean, overall thoughts, I mean, Stephen, you're you're new to this. Me and Carl have been doing this for a few years now, and... We've gone through many a good and bad game conferences. I mean, do you usually watch these things? Obviously, working in the sphere and you may, not all the big blockbuster games may interest you if they're obviously quite meaty RPGs like Xbox seems to be doing at the minute. Do you usually watch these or, or what was it like watching these for the first time if you don't watch them? No, I usually watch all of them. I usually watch, I know it's binned off, but I usually watch E3 and anything, you know, like, even though I don't have a PlayStation, I still like watching the PlayStation events. And, you know, I even watch the Nintendo stuff, even though it's literally used for the kids to play Just Dance. Mm. But no, I love watching all this stuff and getting hyped up about what games are coming and what to look forward to. And obviously at work, it's, it's quite, now with what I now do for a living, it's quite fun, like, at work talking about stuff that's coming out. And, and there was some really, really, the outside of the plethora of, RPGs. There was some quite cool stuff, and there were like games that are sequels to things that I wish I'd played and never got round to. That I'm having seen the trailers, I want to give a go now to. Mm. And some really fun spin-offs. Like I grew up with the original, you know, Monkey Islands, and I yeah. played Sea of Thieves with some of my old friends from when I went to SI. So play Monkey Island Sea of Thieves just looks stupidly fun. Yeah, well, may, we may reminisce about CFEs. I, I wish I could get my friends into it, but they're assholes. <laughs> um, we'll start with the Summer Games Fest um, opening night. Carl, Prince of Persia, first game, is kind of not for me, but I'm sure there's many people who've been waiting for this IP to come back for about a million years now, seen as the remake that I can't remember the name of has been delayed a million times and whatnot. But yeah, this, if it, if you like Prince of Persia, yes, but it, it was never for me growing up Prince of Persia. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've certainly dabbled in the series. My older brother was a big fan, uh, back when it was kind of, uh, in its prime in the, the PS2. Um, and so that, that trilogy, um, that, that, that it was. And, and obviously, they, therefore, I was trying to have my interest peaked when the, the remake was announced. And we talked about that at the time, but that seems to be very much in developmental hell. I think there was a kind of a, an inexperienced studio, um, in India, I believe. I think it says Ubisoft Mumbai. Um, and apparently there's just no direction there. It's, it's a complete mess. And a lot of people think that game will never come out. And uh, I'm, I'm sure Steve can kind of speak you know, kind of more knowledgeable when it comes to how, how games can end up in that situation. Um, but for that reason, it was quite surprising that this, they came out with another Prince of Persia project. Now it looks kind of smaller scale. It's a 2.5D side scroller. 
Um, but I mean, it's one of Ubisoft's more kind of trusted studios, let's say, in Ubisoft Montpellier. So I, I think we can be confident this one makes it out. Um, I'll be sure to, to, to kind of keep my eye on it because as I said, it is a series I've enjoyed. Obviously, it's the series that, that inspired Assassin's Creed and I was certainly an early fan of that series. So, I mean, it, it, it looks good. It looks good for, for, for what it is. I mean, what, what's your, your take, Steve? I think, it, I think it looks fun. It's, um, going back to the Game Gear, I remember playing Prince of Persia on my Game Gear in my nan's living room in what was probably the 90s, very long time ago, uh, <laughs> surrounded by my Lego Technics. And when uh, Sands of Time came out on PS2, we played it at uni. We played it far too much. That and uh, Gran Turismo just got absolutely rinsed on my PS2. Uh, they're the only two I played, and I don't remember them brilliantly, but I remember them just being lots of fun, fun and having sore thumbs after the end of each campaign. So um, I kind of have a soft spot for side scrollers, and a lot of the side scrollers at the moment is Hollow Knight. They're too hard for someone my age, so I think it looks fun, and I definitely, I I would definitely pick it up and give it a go. Though I kind of hope it's on Game Pass because I like it when everything's on Game Pass. Probably won't yeah. be, but it looks fun. Mind Ubisoft have got their subscription service getting added to Xbox. I might actually be on Xbox, so they might get something down the line with it. Um, Stephen, Mortal Kombat One. Um, it's not like a reboot of the story. I think is it eleven or twelve? The last one I can't remember. But it's a continuation. I, I don't the story but i think it's like a, a new dimension after the end of the previous game but mortal Kombat is the well for my money the best in class in this genre um and they just never really let you down and from what i know is like homelander and stuff like that in there so they know how to do a nice cameo but the, yeah mortal Kombat one i mean it, it always sells like hotcakes i forgot how gory mortal Kombat was i haven't played it since the master system i was like Street Fighter 2 Turbo and then Tekken 2 were the two that I mostly played. So when I was watching the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks quite fun. I remember this being really, really hard, which is why I played Street Fighter, because it's less hard. And seeing the levels of like gore, and I was like, wow, they really turned up. But they haven't, have they? If you go back and look at videos of it on stuff like the Genesis, as soon as they could make it horrifically gory, they, they did, didn't they? Yeah, they do like it. Um, they do like that. Carl, anything to add on Mortal Kombat, or should we move on? I mean, similar to Steve, most of my experience is kind of a nostalgic one. We're playing the the, the first three Mortal Kombat's back in the, the 90s. I have to say, though, that the game's stunning graphically. I mean, the, the Mortal Kombat games always look good, but this 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 is something you look at and you say, like, that's... Well, I say next-gen, obviously it's the current-gen now, but this... This is something that's really using the new consoles to, to, to kind of the, the, some of the best we've seen, like it really, really impressive visuals. Like it really, I was, you know, I knew it was Mortal Kombat. It's like, not a game I'm going to buy, but I was like, this, this might be the best looking game I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been like that with the recent Mortal Kombat to look stunning. Um, Path of Exile 2. I've played a little bit of one. I got a bit boring, but it, does have the biggest skill tree I've ever seen in a game. So if you like Diablo-ish games, this might be it. 
the one for you. Um, it didn't really click with me when I played the first one, but maybe it's cleaned up a bit or a bit more exciting or something like that. But yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Um, any anything to add on Path of Exile? You lost me at Skill Tree. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nothing for me. Uh, they're obviously, you know, that I love Diablo guy, but I, I've I've never really managed to get into many other series that are, are Diablo-like. I think the, the Dark Alliance, the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance games back in the PS2 are kind of the exception to the rule. I think Baldur's, or sorry, Diablo does so well that it, it's hard for others to, to match it. Yeah, just on Diablo. Diablo 4 is fantastic. Buy that game. Uh, Street Fighter 6, this is already out. It was just an Exo Primal thing in fall. Uh, don't really care. Anyone want to talk about Nicolas Cage? I mean, you know, these events need their random celebrity experiences. Was it that the Game Awards had, um, oh, um, was it Reedus? I'm, I'm blanking. No, 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 no. Um, not even, he, he came out to, to present award, um, uh, 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 Pacino. Oh, Pacino. Yeah. yeah. Pacino. That was completely random. So this, this one didn't, didn't, uh, surprise me quite as much. Um, but yeah, you know, if you can get Nicolas Cage in your game, why not have Nicolas Cage in your game? I've still never played Dead by Daylight. I I'm surprised by that because I, I really like it. I know it's not the same. It's actually like nowhere near the same, but Friday the 13th, that was really well, fun. Exactly. Yeah. That's the same. I, I think some of the best fun I've had with mates in recent times has been playing uh, Friday the 13th. It was a janky as hell game, but it was just, it's just what games are supposed to be. It was fun, you know, having, having a laugh with your mates. And I get, you know, I know a lot of people love Dead by Daylight. Like it's something I've always said, Oh, I should give it that a try with mates. I've even said it to mates, but we've just never gotten around to playing it. Yep. Same for me. And Nicholas Cage seemed to like, like that. He needs to be, he could be in more games. Uh, which fire I'm pretty sure we've seen like three or four times. It's probably not worth talking about. It's the Doom Magic game. Crossfire. We saw that at the PlayStation event, didn't we, Carl? We did, yeah. It's the, yeah. the VR title. Um, I mean, Steve, uh, it's good, good kind of segue. I mean, Steve, do you have much experience with, with VR? No. It just, I, I, it just hasn't gauged my interest at all yet. Yeah, I've not, I've not really had a bash with it yet, or in a gaming sphere. I had a, I had a crappy Samsung one, and I was like, oh, I can watch Jurassic Park I mean, mini film. It <laughs> doesn't help. My office is only 1.7 meters wide, so there's no room to stand up, let alone, you know, swing a tennis racket or whatever in VR. So, yeah, it just hasn't ever caught my attention yet. I mean, I think we were saying on the last podcast, I was telling Guy that on my honeymoon, I finally got to try Oculus and I played Beat Saber. And it was a lot of fun. I can see why people love that game. But at the same time, I felt it was a game you could probably only play for about 20 minutes and then you'd be absolutely knackered. So uh, I think that there needs to be something that can kind of keep you in the game a bit longer before I'll, I'll take that plunge, particularly with how expensive some of these VR headsets are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Remnant 2, Carl. Um, is this Remnant, is this Remnant from the Ashes? It is indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never uh, played the first one, but I know it's highly touted. Yeah, I played it. Um, I finished it. Played, played through it twice, actually, with, with uh, one with one mate and then another time with another two mates. 
Um, really good co-op game. A lot of fun. Um, there, obviously, there's a lot of these kind of games out there these days. Uh, you know, you're kind of um, uh, Left for Dead somewhat type games. Um, and, and it's a genre that's pretty strong these days. So there's a lot of options. Um, but it's something I could definitely have my friends and I were looking for something to play. It's, it's definitely one I'd consider because we, we really enjoyed the first game. I mean, do, do you have any experience with the with this one, Steve? No, not at all, to be honest. Um, I've heard people talking about it on podcasts and stuff, but I haven't, haven't played it at all. We would would recommend if you, you were talking a lot, obviously a lot about kind of having good sessions with your mates, um, and I know you like your your shooters, um, really good third person co op shooter, um, would recommend checking out some some uh, some of it. I think the first game's available for for a song as well these days. I think it's in Game Pass, or it was in Game Pass, or it might be another game altogether, <laughs> which doesn't help. But, yeah. There's also Chronos, Kron- I think, which was um kind of the studio's first game and then they kind of remade it and then retconned it so it's part of the Remnant series so it's technically a prequel to, to Remnant I haven't played that one but um, it, it may have been that that was in, in Game Pass as well but you yeah, know I really enjoyed Remnant from the Ashes like it's a very good co-op shooter yeah I've only heard good things about that uh, Sonic Superstars does anyone want to talk about Sonic Sonic looks fun and I have young kids who are just about getting into that kind of game, so I'm quite looking forward to playing that with my daughter, because I think by the time it comes out, it'll be just about what her sort of level for games. And the fact it's going to be co-op, which I don't remember any Sonics being side-scrolling co-op, though I'm probably I'm wrong, so I'm really looking forward to it. It looks fun and silly, and something's still on a rainy day with my kids. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's the best way to enjoy Sonic and and whatnot now. Uh, Carl, is this a you game? Or is, it too, is this too far for you? Um, you know, the Honkai Star Rail, um, it, it's, it, it's intriguing, but, you know, I, I'd avoid it. You know, I love my Japanese RPGs, but this obviously, it's, it's a, a gotcha game, you know, it's, it's kind of, you, you have to kind of pay to progress. Type thing you can get so far, but then you're hitting yourself against a brick wall. You got to put money into it, so it's free to play, but not free to play. And um, you know, I, I once got very much into a free to play game, a, a mobile game, and, and spent more money than I should have on it. So I don't really trust myself with with free to play games. So I tend to avoid them a lot. Um, but it, it, I've heard great things about it. It's it's not on PS5 yet. It's on phones and PC. Um, but I have heard great things. Obviously, the, um, it's, it's not their first rodeo in, in this, this space, really. You know, it's, it's their bread and butter Hoyoverse. So, um, they, they have priors there and it's one of the, the, the biggest games going at the moment. So I'm sure this will be really popular as well. But as much as I'd love to try it, I just don't trust myself. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you got Reddit and stuff to pay for. <laughs> um, Lies of P got a demo announced. Uh, this is a Game Pass game on release, I believe. Um, it's a Souls-like game set in the Pinocchio uni- universe, which is a very weird sentence, but if you like getting battered in games and you like Pinocchio, hands together. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, Stephen, do you do the whole Souls-like game? I mean, you mentioned about patience and gaming, so I'm, I imagine getting battered is probably not for you. I haven't played any Souls-like games, but that's just because I haven't played them, not because mm. I've had a desire to. It looks really gorgeous, but I could not work out what on earth was happening apart from the creepy Pinocchio song. And even then, I was like, I still don't understand this. Um, but if it's on Game Pass, this is why I love Game Pass. It's something I'll probably install, try it for, give it a couple of hours. And if I hate it, I'll never have to think about it again. And if it's good, I'll probably finish it. Exactly. Carl, I know you're a bit more in tune with the whole Souls-like than, than me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the genre. Um, I'm not particularly good at Souls like I mean, no one, no one's good at them. <laughs> I, I I think the thing with Souls like is if you're if you're determined, you can get through them. I mean, I, I know there's friends of mine that wouldn't be great at them, but have completed a lot of them because they 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 just persevere. Whereas I find the tension of them, you know, could, it's quite unnerving. I remember playing through Dark Souls one, and just it just can get so tense. And then I'd need to take kind of breaks after it. Like it's, 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 it's strange experience, but I do really appreciate them. And I, I do own a, a good few souls likes. Um, but I think it's kind of a, a saturated genre or, or sub genre might be more accurate in, in recent times. And I, I think you kind of need to try and stand out from the crowd. And, and I think, you know, Lives of P seems to be doing that. You know, it's, it's not just a Dark Souls reskin. Um, so, you know, I, I may well give the, the demo a try um, or, um, you know, I might kind of see what friends of mine who, who kind of play these kind of games more religiously uh, think of it um, because I'm sure they'll be giving the demo a try. So I, I'm intrigued by it. Like, it looks really good. Like, you know, when, when a game has a, a nice visual, that that's the first thing that's going to suck you in when it comes to these things. And that's certainly achieved it. I'm watching a trailer for the game we're next going to speak about in the background called Sandland, and I, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm just confused. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I can fill in. Uh, yeah. Sandland, I, I, as far as I've never played the games, but I, I, I like it's be or, or saw like kind of watch the anime, but it's based on an anime. And I know the main character from this game was had other games kind of back in the. 90s kind of on the Super Nintendo and that kind of thing I've, I've came across them before and YouTube videos and the like um, obviously the, the the big hook here is the the art designer is I'm going to butcher it but uh, um, Toriyama uh, known from uh, Dragon Quest oh, yeah. uh, Dragon Ball Z fame yeah. so, and you can see that visual style straight away I, I didn't even before they didn't seen it and I saw the, the trailer. I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's a Toriyama game. Um, so simply because I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan and Dragon Quest fan, you know, the, this had my eyes straight away. I mean, I, I, for the art style alone, I, I love it. It doesn't seem to be a, an RPG, which is surprising. It seems to be more of kind of an adventure game. Um, but I feel it's one I'd, I'd like to see gameplay of. It was very much a, a you know, a, a trailer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now that I know it's made by the bloke who does Dragon Ball, so I'm more interested. Um, but almost more interesting um, is Fraud and Liberty. I think me and you've spoken in the past about Amazon games. Kind of, well, they've kept the MMO thing, <laughs> which is fine. That seems to be the route they're going down. 
But they've finally gone into the console market by the looks of it, or according to their website, they're going into the console market. And console MMOs are obviously dominated by Final Fantasy over on the PlayStation side, and then probably, I guess, Elder Scrolls over on the Xbox side. Um, so there's definitely a gap in the market, especially on Xbox, Final Fantasy one of the most highly regarded ones. So th- this to me is quite interesting. If it's like not awful, I think I could see myself playing this or at least giving this one a go. Yeah, I mean, it looked good. I can I can say that. I'm not sure it was one that, that, that caught my interest, but it definitely looked good on the surface mm-hmm. level. Um, let's go through some a few quickly because I think we've seen these before but feel free to jump back to any of them. Uh, Warhaven Party Animals Dying Like 2 which teasing updates. Crash Team Rumble. I love Crash Team uh, Crash Bandicoot stuff but yeah not worth talking about. Anything to talk about that before we go into Alan Wake which was probably one of the more interesting uh, I mean I've said it, as you said we've seen it before and I've said it before so I'm saying to me, but Party Animals looks a lot of fun. It reminds me of Gang Beasts which is yes. a really fun multiplayer game. Um, I had a lot of fun playing with my wife and and my friends in the past so I think I'll be definitely picking this one up but probably probably looks like the the kind of game you'd want to play with your kids Steve yeah I I couldn't quite work it out I was like is this Fall Guys or something else because the trailer started hiding it behind the um the logo I was like I can't really see what's going on I can just see people laughing and things falling over but I think Fall Guys is kind of funny my my, my old team used to play on a Friday end of the week as a bit of a blowing off steam. So if it's anything like that, it'll be a fun sort of city game. It's it's kind of like a, yeah, as I said, it looks a lot like Gang Beasts and, you know, I've played Gang Beasts a lot. It's it's kind of like a, I suppose the best way would be, it's kind of like a, almost like a, a silly arena fighter. Like, you know, you're, you're trying to knock people off the stage and your kind of characters are quite ragdolly. So you can kind of get in very awkward positions. You can think you've you've gotten rid of someone and they could be hanging on like in, in a weird position, like it, and suddenly they recover and come from behind and knock it. It's almost like a Royal Rumble, like it's it's uh it's just insane. Like it's a very simplistic idea, but it it, it works really well and it's it's simple to pick up and play. And as I said, it's a very it's a very good family game, I reckon. Definitely. Um, where are we up to? Alan Wake Two, not by usual um, cup of tea in terms of genre. But Carl, I know you dabble in the odd horror game, and we know Remedy do their stuff uh, very well. Alan Wake 2, it looked really good, to be fair. Yeah, we talked about it after the, the PlayStation event. Like, as I said at the time, it really, if you're into your horror games, you know, 2023 could really be the year for you. We, we've already had Resident Evil 4 remake and um Dead Space remake and you know we, we've got the Silent Hill 2 remake to come we've got this um, we've got Alone in the Dark which we, we talked about last week um, so it could potentially be a really really good year for, for survival horror and you know I think it's maybe a genre that some people would say we've been somewhat starved of in, in recent years so I'm, I'm certainly intrigued Um and I said, I'm, I'm still, as we talked about, I'm still very surprised that, that Remedy are kind of taking the step here and, and this game is going to be digital only, apparently. 
and it's kind yeah. of a sign of things to come. I mean, do you, what's your take on on uh, survival horror, Steve? I haven't played anything apart from no, I don't think I've. Then the last game that I would class as any kind of horror I played was uh, the original Doom Three before they let you have a torch and a gun at the same time. Because Doom Three, when it came out, was pretty terrifying. Yeah, no, I'd I I'd agree. It's, uh, um, it was a new direction. It was freaky. But I like Dead Space is always one of those games where I was like, oh, I'll play that one day. Back in the days where you could hire games, and I never got round to it. So. At some point, I'll pick it up. Again, Alan Wake was always one of those games that I was like, oh, maybe I should try that, but never got around to it. So Feels like true. it'll be one that ends up in, in Game Pass. You know, I got that feeling. Obviously, Remedy have a pass with Xbox, so yeah, you, you may well get your chance. I don't watch horror movies, so I'd probably give it a couple of hours and see how it goes. Yeah, I'm in that same camp. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me, Warhammer Space Marine 2, Henry Cavill oh. will, will make a good Warhammer game, eventually. He will, when he's done with acting, he will make a good game. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I always think Warhammer's one of those IPs that's not really, I know we get, uh, Vermintide and, and the modern one that had a bit of a messy launch. Um, but it feels like Warhammer should have a lot more, scope in the gaming sphere. I know there's Total War, which is obviously a great success, but in terms of other games, it's not really had um, the big breakthrough, and I'm not sure if this will be as well. I think it's the barriers for entry, right? If you don't feel like you know much about Warhammer, or, or you've known about Warhammer as seeing the shops in town centres, I think it puts people off. I don't think they've ever done anything to try and draw in a new audience. Yeah, I'm guessing... <laughs> You make a good point there. Warhammer is actually must be one of the most daunting things ever to try and get into and understand. So apart from Henry Cavill liking it, I think many people just couldn't be asked trying to get into it. So that's a really good point, actually. Um, like even I, I dabbled like the smallest of dabbles with Warhammer when I was growing up, but couldn't tell you anything about the law or Space Marine, why Space Marine such a unit and stuff like that. So that is a really good point, actually. I, I, it seems like the, the lads who make Warhammer and Xbox have good connections, so it wouldn't surprise if these are, um, and a Game Pass game, so I may dabble in it, but I probably wouldn't be spending money on, on this. But it could be fun. I think they'll be fun, but not a great game. I, I think we, when we talked about this before, as I said, I surprisingly played the first Space Marine. I, I don't know why it just caught my eye in the game store one day. It, and there was, you know, I was young, had a lot of disposable income, and I just picked it up and brought it home. I mean, it's a very simple slash and hack third person shooter. Um, but it, it seemed to have kind of a cult following. But I mean, that is a great point by Steve. You know, I, I don't think Warhammer has ever kind of had the, the the same household name status as something like Dungeons and Dragons, and it's never really tried to, to gain that. You know, maybe this Henry Cavill series will, will change that. Um, but for for now, it's it's never really had that. And and then in the game space, said it, it's really kind of gotten in on the back of other things. Like Total War was already a massive series, so therefore Warhammer Total War was going to be big. And and the only other Warhammer series I can think of that was pretty. Uh, you know, well known was was Dawn of War, the the RTS, and I think that was more just RTS fans. You know, people who played Command and Conquer and stuff picked it up 
and we're like, this is a great game, and, and then it, it, it spread that way, you know. It's, it's never really came off the, the back of the IP, per se. And so the, the, the games have been so diverse, and they've also been kind of hit and miss somewhat. So, it's but I'd be interested Because it's got such a big IP and a massive amount of laws, you'd think they'd be able to make like compelling stories and reasons to play. Um, because the gameplay doesn't look dissimilar to Gears of War, right? And Gears of War's a lot of fun. But Gears of Wars doesn't have a big barrier to entry. You can pick up people four and five, and within the first hour of the game, you can basically work out the entire last three games, right? Whereas I was watching the trailer, I was like, we're talking about all these people that unless you've actually played the game, you've got no idea who they're talking about. So, so it's, yeah. it's a fair point. Although just just to answer your your uh, quandary there, guy, um. I believe that they're all units because they were cloned from some like god dude, and I guess he yeah. was a unit too. And that's because because they're clones. That's basically why they're so big. And I know I that because I, I once dated a girl who played uh, one of those tabletop Warhammer RPG things, and and she told me because I asked her why her character couldn't be female, and she said they're not allowed, they're not females. The the space marines. So there you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, yes, Your Grace Snowfall, it's a de- de- decision-making story game. If you played the first one, I believe, uh, not much to add from me. Um, John Carpenter's Toxic Commando, see every other zombie game ever made. <laughs> it does look a bit silly, though. It does look like something uh, you'll play on one weekend with some friends while eating far too many crisps. Yeah, and then it looks like it could be fun, but it's yeah, that's the thing. You'll yeah. never play it again. You won't know what happens, but the four hours you're playing it will just be utter chaotic shooting, slashing fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm intrigued to see if it's what it, what the gameplay is like. Is it another Left for Dead clone? You know, I, I assume so, simply based on the trainers. But maybe that's just a lazy assumption because it's swarms of zombies. It looks, quite, it looks With, quite a bit like. Um, Oh my god, what it's called? What's, it, what's the Brad Pitt zombie film called? I Zombie? No. Uh, World War Z. World War Z. That it looks similar to that game. Maybe a tad more polished. But um, yeah, that kind of got a bit stale quickly. Um, anyway, we'll speed through some of these because we have a big, a big <laughs> conference to go through. Then two smaller ones. Uh, Baldur's Gate Three. We've seen at the PlayStation event. Please do. Do an, do an Xbox version, please, boys. Um, Spider-Man 2, we discussed on the PlayStation 1. Pal World, is it? was this Pokemon with guns? I believe it was, yes. That, that's all I need to say. I will be buying that, don't worry, people. Uh, Black Desert, yada, yada, yada. Lord of the Rings Return to Moira. Moria. Just outed myself. as an Overwatch fan over a Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, on the yeah. back of Gollum being a stinky dumpster fire... I mean, this looks fun, but I I now have zero trust in the people who make Lord of the Rings games. I know it's completely different people, but that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, I I suppose these games would have been greenlit before Embracer acquired uh, the, the the Lord of the Rings company. It feels like the estate, um, you know, um, of Tolkien has been. A little loose in recent years of of kind of lending out the the, the rights. Um, maybe now that Embracer are probably going to control it moving forward, that might be better because maybe maybe they'll be a little pickier. 
Um, although, you know, we, we didn't have news because we had so much to discuss, but um, there was the news yesterday that apparently Embracer are going to be doing a restructuring and closing studios yes. and letting people go. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's a, a nice kind of full circle from all the times we've talked about Embracer acquisitions here. Um, but it, it just seems that, that, as I said, just allowing anyone to make Lord, that, that Gollum game looks absolute tripe and apparently that studio are making an even bigger lord of the rings game is their next project <laughs> i mean how do these things get greenlit i mean look at marvel like how they control their games now they don't make them themselves but you have to pitch to them and they only approve the very best and look at the marvel games that are coming out lately uh you know i know avengers you know didn't do well but it wasn't a bad game uh obviously spider-man is amazing um, finally got a release date for Spider-Man 2, which was great. Very hyped at that. Um, Marvel Snap, um, which I think was, it was shown at this, it seems to show up at all these, these, um, uh, events with Jeff Keighley. Um, gotcha. by all accounts, a fantastic, um, mobile game. And, and Guardians Galaxy again didn't sell well, but a great game. That's how you handle a license. And I know, I think this is a good good point to, to bring Steve in on this because obviously he he has experience with handling licenses. We, we won't grill him on that, but uh, you know I, I just want to take your your general take, Stephen, and how do you see kind of you know the, the the sanctity of these licenses and and you know should they be taken for granted when when they're lent out to a studio like this? I think it's really hard, right? Because you've got two things you need to consider. You need to consider the fans of that IP whether it's, especially Lord of the Rings, like because if you're fans of the books versus fans of the film, your experience is quite different. I know people who've read every single book, including the crazy stuff like The Silmarillion and think the films are boring, and other people who only watch films because they don't know what words on paper actually are. So you've got to be really considerate of like, your fan base, but you need to do that thing we talked about before, which you need to make sure there isn't a barrier to entry because you want to bring new fans in and if you're letting people go to your IP you want them to watch your films and read your books and get into the lore of it all so it's it's a really delicate balancing act and I'll say that as a fan as much as I am anything else like Star Wars right like I've grown up loving Star Wars and there have been some fun and some amazing Star Wars games and some that just just, just interest goes so quickly. I so, yeah, the hard words about Battlefield, Battlefront Two, never. <laughs> yeah, that good. Uh, no, but yeah, I think I asked a good question. That is a really tough one. Um, as you said, Lord of the Rings is is massive. Obviously, your exp- experience of Transformers at the minute. It is big, but it's probably not Lord of the Rings big, but it's one that's not really tackled the gaming sphere since the movie tie-in games, to my memory. So you've almost got like a, a fresh slate in your experience, whereas Lord of the Rings, we've, we've come off the back of some fantastic games, even for the PlayStation 2 era, but the Shadow of games are, are, are really good. Um, so to follow that up with crap like Gollum, and I think this, look, the, the only thing, I think this looks interesting, but after Gollum, it's like, God, lads. Lads. Yeah, I mean, Stephen, a good point there that, you know, particularly with a, a large 
kind of um, IP like Lord of the Rings, you know, you're you're going to get a lot of adaptations, and and they're not all going to hit. But uh, as you said, guy, we had this period where we were kind of spoiled for Lord of the Rings games. We, you know, we had the the, the movie tie-ins for Two Towers and Return of the King. I really like Third Age at Battle for Middle Earth one and two, fantastic strategy games. And then a little bit later, you had the the Shadow of Mordor games, and I know Shadow of War had its controversies, but it was a, a good game at the, the core of it. And and now it just seems we're on a, a bad run of of, uh, of Lord of the Rings games, and it's similar with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the nineties. You know, they, they could do no wrong. I'm, 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 I'm going to guess, Steve, you have at least one experience with, with the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle beat up, beat em up games of the nineties, eighties uh, and nineties even. Um, they were fantastic, but it's been a long time since, although actually we had the most recent Turtles game, which was, was a return to form, but it's just, you're never going to, uh, please everyone, I suppose, but it, it, it is something that you feel when, and I know, it, you have a bias when you're into one of these these IPs, like I am with the Lord of the Rings. But I just feel like it's it's something that you you just need to, to handle with a a bit of bit of care. But like, you know, uh, I don't think uh, what appears to be a, a tower defense game is 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 really going to be the the be all and end all of of Lord of the Rings. Let's see what Embracer does does moving forward with the IP. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, go through a few here. We've got Final Fantasy Fallen game, which, Ooh. yeah, uh, come back to Final Fantasy. Uh, Banishes Ghost of New Eden, I can't remember. Like a Dragon Gate. This, this looks interesting. Again, if, if it, this is if this is like one of Epic's free giveaways or on Game Pass or isn't 70 quid, I would try it because it looks weird and it looks like it might be quite story-driven with a little bit of Devil May Cry thrown in for fun, so it looks interesting. I don't know what it is. I want to see more of the gameplay for this one, though, because I feel like it could be a lot different because there's so many fantasy games. This feels like a different twist, so it looks like it could be interesting to try. Yeah, again, I think you're probably in luck as Don't Nod tend to have a bit of a relationship with Xbox. I think they've made a couple exclusives for, for Xbox and... Um, you know, it the games Xbox have, showcase, so I guess it, yeah, I'd, 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 there's a I good think, chance. I think it probably will be be uh, a game pass game. Um, so you may well be in luck. Yeah, no, ghost hunting game. Oh, it's certainly something different. Uh, like a dragon gate and the man who raised his name under the waves at Call of Duty. Yes. A Porsche Xbox, which looked ugly. <laughs> uh, Fair Farm. Uh, Marvel Snap, which you already mentioned. Uh, King Arthur Legends Rise, I actually can't remember that. Uh, Wayfinder. Stellaris Nexus, do not play that on console. It is the hardest game to micromanage in your life. Uh, Space Trash... Words, guy. Space Trash Scavenger, still can't speak, but we'll move. <laughs> Star Trek Infinite and Livesfanger the Time Shift Warrior. Let's stop up to that point. Anything you want to talk about there? Uh, Wayfinder looked looked good, um, definitely visually striking. Uh, I think probably the standout of these for for me, the, the two standouts I say are probably Star Trek Infinite. I am a Trekkie, um, and I lost many hours of my youth to playing a Star Trek strategy game. I even downloaded the the game a couple of years back on my modern PC. It ran terribly, but I tried my best to play it. 
Um, so I'll, I'm, I'm always intrigued by a, a Star Trek strategy game. And then Lisfanga, the time shift warrior, looks, looks like a really cool kind of uh, 2D kind of um, isometric kind of action game. Um, I, I like those um, and it, it does look nice visually. So it's, it's definitely one kind of that that's that's on my radar. Yes, I am reminding myself of stuff on YouTube as you speak. Ah, yeah, I do remember this game. Yeah. Although I'm distracted by the name because I used to play a game called Time Shift and it was hard, but it was a good game. Um, Immortals of Evian we did on the PlayStation event, didn't we? The EA uh, Originals, I think that's what they're called. Fortnite. It's Fortnite. Now, this is probably the biggest news. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, obviously, will never be on Xbox because timed exclusive is a long time. <laughs> um, but, Carl, we, we know the power of this IP. Obviously, six is coming out. Is it this month or next month? 16, 16 is this month, actually. Yeah, no, funny enough, actually, while we've been on the pod, um, one time guest to the show, Matt, was texting me saying he played the demo and he is very, very impressed and will likely pick up the game on launch. So, and I've seen a lot of that on Twitter. I'm very excited to get into the, to the demo myself. I hoped to play it before the pod, but unfortunately I didn't. Um, but yeah, no, Final Fantasy is a, a series going really strong at the moment. Obviously I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I have that bias, but you know, Final Fantasy 14 is going from strength to strength to Final Fantasy 16. Everyone is very hyped about, and obviously Final Fantasy VII Remake was very well received, and people are excited for re- this game as a result. So I think it was a very strong finishing, and it's very interesting that it's on two discs. I mean, how big is this game going to be? That's pure for nostalgia. Definitely, that could have definitely been on one disc. <laughs> I, I I think this game might, you know, be 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 one that uh, kind of plays into Steve's pet peeve because given that it's only actually technically part of a game, because I assume this game is going to be a trilogy at this point, this remake, and it's spanning two discs. You imagine it's going to be very, very, very long. Um, now a lot of that could be cutscenes in fairness, which uh, obviously um, tend to take up the lion's share of, of discs, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a pretty strong finish. I'm trying to think. I haven't played the remake, but I've obviously played Final Fantasy VII. Does the re the remake finishes where you get? Oh God, I can't remember the the dog thing's name. What's his bloody name? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you you go through um, Shinra HQ. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you fight the um, the president's kid for the first time. I have played Final Fantasy VII, I swear. It's just too hot for memories. <laughs> but you fight him and then, obviously the game channel won't spoil it, but the end of that changes a bit. So I wonder where it'll get up to. Because Final Fantasy VII is a big-ass game, so I'm wondering where the ne- this part finish. Yeah, Maybe no idea. Maybe after the date at the arcade thing? Potentially. I mean, all we know from the trailer is that it's it's going to cover kind of the Nibelheim uh, flashback. See, I, I can name all the... I've played this game. Yeah, <laughs> you've played... I only played two years ago. I will play... I need to play nine. That's where I am with Final Fantasy. I need to go back and finish nine playthrough before they remake that and I have to dust off the PlayStation to play it. Um, Stephen, I mean, Final Fantasy, it obviously was huge in the 90s and obviously the IP has 
come on a bit of a rejuvenation with 14. Um, 15 was a bit of a mixed opinion, um, but 16 by all accounts looks like it's going to be huge. But Final Fantasy 7 is the one that everyone seems to love. Um, but do you like Final Fantasy games or are they just too too chunky for you? I've just never played one. Hmm. Like, at uni, I used to sit with my mate and he would spend far too long playing Final Fantasy rather than getting dressed to go to the pub. So my only sort of like knowledge of Final yeah. Fantasy is going into Jeff's room and saying, turn your PlayStation off, we're late for the pub. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just, I've just never played it. Yeah. That's the if thing. Like, can, there are so many games in the world. Mm. Sometimes you just miss a genre and you never get into it. Yeah, it's weird. I don't, if it wasn't for me playing Final Fantasy, I don't think I'd ever have really got into JRPGs. I'm not hugely into them now, but I think Final Fantasy is the one that gets people into it, I think. So if you ever do, does tickle your fancy, I'd guess start with this one. Um, well, the one before this one. But if you're an Xbox person, just wait. I'll play it on PC. Um, but anyway, um, overall thoughts on Summer Game Fest. I mean, I'll, I'll go first. I thought it was... It wasn't the most exciting show, but I think that might be because quite a lot of the big stuff was for PlayStation mainly. Obviously, Final Fantasy um, was the big takeaway from it. Even stuff like we've already seen, like um, uh, Baldur's Gate, which I'd really like to play. PlayStation, uh, Spider-Man 2, PlayStation. So in terms of it being, for me, there wasn't anything huge that tickled my fancy apart from Pokemon with guns. Um, but I did just say that I'd Pokemon with guns, so I can't really complain that much. But but um, Carl, obviously, a lot probably was there for you at, at, at this at this um at this showcase. So, what was your overall thoughts? It was a decent enough show. Um, I, I think as with many Jeff Keighley events, there's a lot of fluff, a lot of adverts and stuff, which can kind of be d- disruptive. Um, and maybe. A couple of games kind of overstayed their welcome and went on a bit too long, which, you know, I'm not always a fan of. Um, but I mean, as I said, there was some, some solid games there. As I said last week after talking about the PlayStation event, the problem with a lot of these events nowadays is either things leak ahead of them or companies unveil things because they're afraid of leaks. And like, how big would Final Fantasy VII Rebirth have been had it just came out of nowhere? But instead, like that, that was a kind of, we knew it was always coming because the, the first one was part one of, of a, a series, but we kind of didn't know anything about it or when it might come, when they, they might reemerge, but they, they kind of just talked about it in like a press release or whatever a couple of months ago. So that kind of takes the, the shine out of it really for this particular one because there, there wasn't any kind of big, you know, mind blowing moments. Um, it, it was nice that kind of PlayStation threw them a bone with giving them the release date for, for Spider-Man and didn't have it on their own event. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was fine. <laughs> That's what I'll say. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was part of the course. I did forget to mention, uh, release date. Spider-Man was the 20th of October. Uh, Final Fantasy is early 2024. Uh, any of the other big ones missed? Uh, Prince of Persia's next year, Mortal Kombat this year at the end of September or middle of September. Uh, I think that's about it for ones that people would be caring about. 
Anyway, um, I will be better on the Xbox One. But um, you got—I think you didn't watch the showcase as like a showcase, Stephen. Did you? Did you just check out the trailers and did that translate to a better show for you? Yeah, I, I've just been so busy with kids and work. I didn't have time to watch it. So, I, uh, as I said, I went through. I got up to about forty-five in the end trailers in the last two days, just trying to catch up everything. And I've seen glimpses of stuff, but. As I said, normally I'd put them on or have one in the background while doing stuff and listen to it all there, you know, watch the videos or watch the trailers that interested me. Yeah, but I didn't have time to watch the actual showcases, which was annoying because I like them. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I was watching them mostly in the background. Um, so I think you're not taking in a million games at once, but... Uh, We'll move on to the Xbox One because this is one I was was watching in the background, but I was kind of letting my people, my mates do everything on Diablo, so <laughs> a bit more involved on this one. Um, I'll start, and I went into this thinking the PlayStation event wasn't great. The Summer Game Fest one was all right. I think this was a good opportunity for Xbox to go. Oh, we have arrived, which they have done in the past and then never did arrive. But I think this was a good opportunity for them to steal the summer. And I think they did it and we'll go through it. But for me to kick off with Fable, I know it was kind of in the teasers for the show on on Twitter and stuff like that. But to kick off with Fable, considering we heard about stuff about the development getting like a soft restart and stuff like that. And for them to put it to not sure massive gameplay and stuff like that or any gameplay really in engine stuff at least it's kind of seemingly back on track but if there was any game i'd be scared about not being there or not being ready it probably was fable to open it and to see mostly the tone and the really good in-engine footage it kind of settled my nerves so it's got richard ayawadi words guy I feel like that was just a really good sign because we know the British humour doesn't always translate well. Um, so they've got him in. We obviously used to have Stephen Fry and stuff like that in the older games. So, yeah, i I really happy with the start of this with Fable in there, Stephen. I think it was my favourite trailer because I just did not expect to see Richard AOAD and he is so funny and engaging, isn't he? And the, the twist when you realise he's a giant, I was like, didn't see that coming. It's brilliant. Like, one of my friends keeps telling me that I should play Fable because they're funny. And the trailers made me think, yes, they are funny. And I think they're multiplayer, aren't they? So it's something, this is going to be my first Fable, but... Uh, free was multiplayer. Yeah, so I, mean, I think this might be yes. multiplayer, but this is my first Fable, so I'm looking forward to jumping in because it just looks... It looks fun with a good sense of humour and occasionally fantasy games do get me. Maybe this is going to be one that's going to drag me into it a bit more. I think the fact I can play with a couple of friends makes it a lot more appealing. I might get me over my sort of destiny addiction. Yeah, you got to get out of destiny, man. It's a dead game. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I was really... Um, I was really happy to see this open the show because I think 
it was uh, it was a concern of mine. But Carl, I mean, I, I popped you up mute there if you didn't see the chat because your dog was going a bit mental in the background. Um, but um, Fable, I mean, we were kind of hoping this should come out ages ago when this first got announced back in 2019. And obviously it had a bit of development hell and stuff like that, but it seems to be finally back on track at least. Um, yeah, I, I mean, as we know, Xbox had a tendency to announce things too early, and this was was one instance in in which they very much did that. Um, obviously, as I said, development hell didn't help. Um, you know, it was a new thing for Playground Games. Their car, you know, racing game company primarily. They had to set up a whole new team for this. I think they got some old heads from Lionhead in and some other kind of people from um, the, the the UK development team. Uh, or seen rather uh, in to ha- help with the game but there, there was a lot of adjustments and uh, it was as I said it was just completely new to them so you know there was going to be some struggles but it, it seems to have gotten over the hump and we've we finally been able to see something and for me like the in-game footage just looks unreal um, it is beautiful game it, it's really cool that they've gotten Richard Iodi in there. I think the Fable games have kind of a prior for that. I know Stephen Fry was in the first three, um, which is always cool. So it's it's great that they, they kind of keep that. You know, they they're, they're a British studio, just as Lionhead were, and they 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 get British actors in. Um, I mean, I love the first three Fable games, but the thing with Fable, you were always kind of looking at a Fable game and saying, "Oh, but the next one will be really awesome," and it'd be and it it would be a step up, but then you you. It was strange. You'd be thinking, but the next one is going to have even more. And I think it probably comes down to the fact that Peter Molyneux would just promise a lot and never quite. We all remember the whole thing about the before Fable 1 about the seed and the tree and seeing the tree grow and all that, that whole spiel. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's famous. But, um, you know, I just feel like this might finally be the fable that you know I, I wanted to, to see since I played the first one back when I was what say 12 13 at the time and um, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to see this I mean playground games are, are I'm not really much of a racing fan so I can't say I've really played the Forza Horizon games but by all accords they're, they're a fantastic studio and I'm, I'm sure Stephen kind of knows them by by uh reputation given that that obviously he's involved in that uk scene they make beautiful games right you don't have to like forza to or like racing games to see how pretty and fun um forza horizon is like horizon's just a silly driving game it's like the old like need for speed games so they know how to make visually stunning games and that really i think that really showed in that trailer didn't it Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think we... It all, I'm not sure if it was gameplay, but it seemed to hint at part of it. But it, it's hard, because I'd probably have to rewatch it and analyse it properly. But it, it looks like it... It mainly gave off the toad and the setting and the graphics, which is someone's oven going off. <laughs> um, but we'll ignore that. I'm sure it's set an engine guy. Yeah. Yes, yes, I think it did. Um, but it did look really good. And if that's the graphics, it didn't give a release window, I don't think. So I'd guess this would be 2025 because there was a lot for 2024. But 
for it to be a year and a half away, what maybe two years away or whatever. Um, yeah, at least it's there, and we can maybe by next year's summer showcase we can see the actual game um, in more um, more of its glory. Um, but moving on to the next game, Carl, we've been kind of wondering what Compulsion Games have been up to for a little while now, and it turns out it's south of midnight. Um, stop, stop animation-y type graphics, or certainly in the people's features, if you get what I mean. It's, um, it's hard to explain, but it's almost got like that Nightmare Before Christmas type graphics. Um, but I will read a description because we didn't really get a sense of what the game actually is. Um, this is from Polygon. Um, in a magical version of modern rural self, protagonist Hazel is on a quest to repair a broken world by taking on mythical creatures drawn from southern folklore. Creative directors David Sears, who spent his childhood in the region, said it's loosely inspired by me tramping around forgotten farms and abandoned places in Mississippi. Hazel is a weaver who can use magic for combat and traversal. Her weaving magic allows her to take the strands that make up the universe and weave or spin them into useful forms for the players to use, Sears says. The effects are fully are full of fractal fractal geometry expressed as knitting and dolly doilies. Everything is themed after textiles. Hazel is powerful and wisecracking, but will also have a flawed human side influenced by her family and the world she grew up in. She has many of the same issues as real people have, Sears says. So, I mean, Stephen, it looks like it's going to try and tackle some themes of of Southern America. I mean, we're obviously all from the UK, so we can't really comment on that too strongly, but we see it in the best of games. They do tend to tackle real-world issues, so to tackle stuff like Southern America and stuff like that, it could be really interesting, but putting on a magical adventure type skin over it in, in what looks like a unique graphic style as well, it could certainly be interesting. Yeah, I think it looks really cool. And I think it's, this is doing what so many games don't do is it's, it's removing a bar- barrier of entry to some, uh, to, you know, maybe, a culture people don't always look at or consider. Um, I can never remember the bleeding name of it, but one of the Disney princess films involving a frog is set in a similar... The Princess and the Frog. Probably what it's called, yes. It's set in a similar location, isn't it? And it's nice to see Disney trying to do stuff and seeing games going into... Um, especially if they tackle the real cultural problems in America and the South, right? Uh, but it just looks cool. It's really different. And you know, more female protagonists uh, is a good thing. Especially ones that aren't creepy anime, you know, weird men fantasy characters. So, yeah, it looks pretty, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, Carl, your thoughts on South of Midnight? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we, we didn't know what it was called at the time, but we, we talked about this, I think, last summer. Um, I think it was, I, I, his name is slipping my head, but he's a, an Xbox podcaster slash insider. Um, he's, 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 he's UK based, but I just, Jess Corden, exactly. Yeah. He had seen kind of, uh, gotten an early insight into this game. I think he'd seen some artwork and gotten kind of a, a synopsis of what it was about. And he, he talked about it in a podcast that we listened to at the time. And so we, we talked about it. So we, we kind of, I don't think it, 
completely caught me by surprise, but you know, we, we didn't quite know that it was kind of set kind of around the bayou. Um, obviously, we didn't know what it looked like. We, we, we could only have him describe things. We couldn't actually see it for ourselves. Um, like, it looks really, really good. And it's it's a unique idea. You don't get much media, as Stephen said, based on this sort of thing. I think I was funny enough thinking about uh, the, the princess and the frog as well. Um, so it's it's intriguing in that sense, and and you know I've talked about guy in the, the past. I played We Happy Few, um, which was their last game, and it was great. It was janky as hell. It was broken hilariously so at times, but it was such a unique idea. Of definite Bioshock inspiration there, no, not as much as another game we'll come on to in a, a short <laughs> while, but definite inspiration from something like Bioshock. But it did its own thing and it did it really well. But obviously it was lower budget. And, and I said at the time, I can't wait to see what they do with a Microsoft size budget. And, and this is, we're getting now a look at it and, you know, it looks really good. I, I think this one will be definitely one I'll be trying as uh, simply, you know, on, on, on the back of my past experiences with the studio. Yeah, this will be like a day one game I'll try and carve out that evening or the worst case the next day so not to get spoilers and try and give it a good mm. you know like three or four hours just to see how far i can get into it because it looks it looks interesting and it hopefully won't be a game that requires half of my life to play the story i don't think it will i think we've got enough of big rpg type games from xbox with Fable, um avowed uh hellblade maybe but we're not we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute but even like um, uh, Starfield, obviously, will be 200 million years long and whatnot. So I think there'll be enough in the RPG world to to kind of maybe say this is double A rather than triple A, which is kind of bought, which doesn't mean anything about quality, but it won't have to be 100 hours long. Um, but we'll move on. And Carl, I'll start with you on this one. Star Wars Outlaws, a bit of a surprise. Um, we then obviously got gameplay the day after on the Ubisoft event. So we'll kind of ignore that for the Ubisoft one and just bring it up here. But it was a nice surprise. And obviously from the lads who make the division, um, it looks very interesting. I mean, it, the trailer didn't give too much away, but when the gameplay got shown the day after, it, it looks really fun. And it'll be interesting to see how deep the worlds are, really. Yeah, I mean, I love Star Wars and I can also appreciate a Ubisoft open world game, you know, my Far Cries and, and the like. I'm, I'm a fan. So, you know, this, this speaks to me. Um, it looks great. Like it's, it's, you know, the Star Wars games tend to look good. Obviously, even like the, 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 the Battlefront games. Um, you know, they, the, the last one, Battlefront 2 had a campaign. It was a very short campaign. But they, they put a lot into it visually, you know, obviously with the actors and stuff. And you, you, you really did get the impression they're trying to make a part of the universe. And, and I got that again here. And, you know, I remember that Star Wars project that, that got canned. Um, it was Star Wars 30, 33 or something. There's some numbers. I, I can't remember off the top of my head where you kind of played a, a bounty hunter and it looked really, really cool. And you can, you weren't a Jedi. You know, it's always fun to not be a Jedi. And this is a Star Wars game where you aren't a Jedi. And, you know, again, similar to Seven, and I think this will be a, a one I'll be jumping into for a hundred percent certainty. Like it just looks fantastic to me. I mean, I don't know what your, your uh, views are. 
No, really, really good, really promising, and I'm I, I'm with you there. I think I think Jedi fought the Fallen Order game, the Survivor, which I haven't played yet. Um, they do the Jedi thing well, so if they did another one, it would have just been overkill. So to have this set, I think it's set between five and six, I'm pretty sure, um, which is the peak time for Star Wars, <laughs> especially in film time. Um, but yeah, do a new story. See which characters you can fit in there for the uh, for the nostalgia pop, um, but make it unique. Make it make the open world meaningful. Don't just have random filler crap. Um, but the gameplay looked good. Um, the characters looked interesting. They've got the new little pet thing to make action figures and, and dolls out of. So they got the Grogu replacement down. Um, but Stephen, I know, I know you. Pretty sure you like Star Wars. Um, did you say that earlier? I, my head's gone. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yes, I think some of the best Star Wars content is whether it's games or film, right? Is when it's around being a cowboy or a pirate in space. Yes. Um, like the, the big. I never finished the first Fallen Order because after a while I was like, "Yeah, I'm a Jedi. I get it." I, I kind of felt like I'd been there, seen there, and done it. Whereas where I when I played Squadrons. It was like a nostalgic, much better version of X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and Rebel Assault, which I loved as a kid. And again, you're, you're not a lightsaber in sight, right? So this looks really, really fun. And I hope that if it is a little bit open-worldy, that it's open-worldy but on rails a little bit. Like, Star Wars has got so many great stories. I hope it keeps continues to point you towards them rather than letting you, you know, have to decide where to go and have to fight around too much. Like, I just feel like with Star Wars, you don't want to have to decide where to go. You want to tell it where to go, you know. Um, if it's got any of the writing, anything close to like the Bad Batch, it would be amazing because the Bad Batch is a great way of storytelling of a bunch of cowboys in space, right? So yeah, it looks really cool. And for the kids, they have the replacement for Grogu and BB-8 and R2-D2 and all those things that the kids love. But it is missing one thing that Lego Star Wars has got. You can't like punch it. Jar Jar Binks in the face. I like Jar Jar Binks. I <laughs> I like it when you can be Obi Wan Kenobi and you can punch Jar Jar Binks in the face. Yeah, but Obi Wan Kenobi's a bitch, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jar Jar'd win that fight. Um, I've lost track. Right, uh, thirty-three immortals. We'll go through some of these quickly because 18 hours podcast. I will play this game. It looks like uh, Hades on steroids, which, yes, please. Um, 33 online co-op. If you ever needed a tagline, there it is. But no, this looks like a really good um, uh, roguelite um, game. If it, if that's your bag, you'll probably enjoy that. Payday 3, a huge get for, um, for game past day one. Payday heist game, the most popular heist game, except unless you count on GTA. Um, so that's a big get. And Carl, I'll, I'll go to you on this one. Persona 3 Reload. Um, it's yeah. a huge get for Game Pass and Xbox. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just, first just want to comment on the Payday 3. I think I texted you while watching it and, and said it was funny that Sony started their conference with a Payday-like game in, in Fair Games and then Xbox are like, yeah, we got Payday 3 in Game Pass. <laughs> it was, uh, hmm. 
it's, it's a nice little little dig, even if it was unintentional. Um, I mean, Persona 3 Reload, I'll, I'll take that with two other games. I, I think it's nice to group them together. Persona 3 yeah. Reload, Persona 5 Tactica, and Metaphor Re-Fantasio. Now, Persona 3 Reload is a remake of Persona 3. It, it's been rumored for a long time, so we kind of knew it was happening. Um, Persona 5 Tactica, however, hasn't been rumored. But the unfortunate thing is that these games and their trailers leaked the day before the the, the um, showcase, which was a bit of a bummer because it kind of takes away. Um, but nonetheless, it, it's a great game for Xbox. I mean, Xbox back in the 360 days made a push to try and get for Japan. They got Mistwalker on board and, and they made like the likes of Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey. And Lost Odyssey is an Xbox exclusive that was a fantastic JRPG. But they kind of gave up on that stuff in the next generation. They just sort of seeded all that to PlayStation. But it looks now they're back in the fight and they've gotten friendly with Atlas. We, we saw Persona 3 and 4, the ports came to Game Pass and now these are coming to Game Pass. Now these two, the first two games will be on PlayStation. They've since been announced PlayStation. But shockingly, uh, Metaphor Re-Fantasio, which is a new, a new IP, which is being done by a new studio within Atlas that um, have some kind of veterans from the Persona series. Um, but this game hasn't been announced for PlayStation yet. This may well be an Xbox exclusive, which, if that's the case, is absolutely massive Like for them to be taking a game by kind of the, the Persona staff away from PlayStation when Persona is, is so synonymous with PlayStation. Like, that is just massive. And, you know, I know neither, you know, you dabble in your RPGs, and I know, Stephen, you said you never really got, got into the genre, but for context, you know, outside of Final Fantasy, Persona is probably the, 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 the biggest series at the moment, and it's probably the most consistent in recent years. You know, every game they release is knock it apart they, they make dancing rhythm games fighting games you know all these kind of spin-offs and they're all really good games so this is massive for game pass and it's just another testament to, to just how how amazing game pass is. you know it is the, the best value in, in gaming um I, I feel like we get deserve a sponsorship of microsoft in many times <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, uh, we, we game pass. Pass, but <laughs> yeah no game, what a get fantastic Absolutely. Um, we'll move on to Avowed. And Stephen, I know you've mentioned uh, RPGs aren't always right for you in terms of time constraints, but Outer Worlds wasn't stupidly long if you ever had a chance to play that. And Avowed, um, I think it's in the Pillars of Eternity universe, which you probably haven't played. I don't think I've played that much. Um, but this, this is probably one I'm going to be really excited for after Starfield because I think once I get that out the way if we get a, a very good 40-50 hour RPG from from Obsidian which I think is their bread and butter which in a quite a seemingly more diverse universe than probably the original CGI trailer showed, a bit more colour in certain biomes and stuff like that but it can still tackle that dark element but it's still got that obsidian twist where it's a bit of comedy at the same time. I think Avowed could be really special next year. Yeah, I, I don't think it's typically like my genre. As I said, I don't tend to play a lot of fantasy games, but because it's obsidian, I'll give it a run and see how it goes. Uh, it looks it looks really, like graphically, it looks beautiful again. Um, 
and as I said, I'm, I'm just not sure it's my cup of tea, but because of its, because of who it is, I, will, I definitely want to try it. Yeah, Carl, I know you. I know we kind of waxed lyrical when we first saw it, and we, we know, we. I think Obsidian. If I had to depend on one Xbox studio, it would be Obsidian because, well, they do a wide, a wide range of games, and even The Outer Worlds wasn't the most polished game, but it was certainly a hell of fun game. So with Xbox, with Microsoft's money in a moth in a setting, I'd probably prefer in the fantasy setting. I, I think this could be a special game for me. Yeah, um, I mean, as you said, we, we talked about how excited we are um, when it was first revealed. Um, but I was intrigued that, you know, th- this looked a lot tighter, you know, than, than the first time we saw it. Like the, the first time you, you, you thought it was like a Skyrim. This kind of made me think more fantasy outer worlds, you know, kind of it, 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 it's it's open areas you know rather than an open world and apparently that's what it's going to be because I, I i read an interview afterwards and apparently they they changed um kind of direction during development and decided that you know they like to to kind of focus in and focus on storytelling and you know they they like to give you some freedom but they, they don't want to just give you this massive world to explore they said like there's other studios obviously within their own family now with Bethesda that do that and, and do that well. So they want to focus on what their strengths are, um, which is that more focused storytelling. So, you know, g- given, as you said, Steve earlier, you, you like, you you think games can be too long. Uh, I think that this, this might be a, a good one for you because this is one that's clearly kind of getting into the, to the focus and, and uh, is going to be a bit more contained and, and probably won't be a hundred hours, you know, more kind of a, a 30 to 40 hour experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I know people like Legend of Monkey Island and Sea of Thieves. I think you wanted to talk about it, Stephen. So, yes, have your shot. <laughs> Just looks fun. I've, I've probably only played maybe like 15, 20 hours of Sea of Thieves. I've not, maybe not, I've not played loads of it. I've got a couple of friends that I used to work with where we occasionally jump on and spend most of the time gossiping about work and talking shit about people we used to work with and then occasionally getting our ship sank by the pirates. So um, we're rubbish at it, but it's fun. And as I said, I grew up playing all the old Monkey Island games, so I definitely think that group of friends will be playing some of this because it just looks like a nice, easy way of spending a Friday evening with a couple of friends who live in other parts of the world. Yeah, I think that's best. I think that's best. Um, we'll go through some of these quickly. Well, the next two quickly. Microsoft Flight Simulator. I know it's a new game. They've added in stuff to do rather than just flying about um, with mountain rescue and putting out fires and stuff like that. It looks phenomenal. You'll play it once, then uninstall it. <laughs> that's basically how it'll go. Um, Carl, Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. I mean, it looks phenomenal. But we didn't get. I, I feel like we didn't get the what we needed from the trailer. I we needed gameplay and combat and stuff to see what the next development was from the first game in that because we we've had it. We've we've seen the thing with the troll or the org or whatever it was at the um, the game awards. We knew it. We know it looks fucking phenomenal. We didn't need that again. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And I would have hoped for a release date because you know, Candace again was revealed so so long ago. I was, I was, this was one I was kind of holding out hope for that would come maybe at the end of this year. So it's unfortunate that it's it's 2024. I mean, we, we've we've talked how much about how, as you said, how good this game looks and how much we enjoyed the first game. I mean, the first game visually striking had some of the best audio design you you will ever see. And it was a nice contained experience. But again, they didn't have a Microsoft budget at the time. So, you know, the, the, the gameplay was more simplistic. You know, the combat and stuff wasn't, you know, in, in an area of other games like Dark Souls and stuff would have been at the, the height of their, their popularity. And, you know, they, they obviously had a lot more to offer in that area. Um, so I just, I would have liked to see more of this, but nonetheless, it does look quite good. And, um, I, I think Steve, you were kind of indicating that you, you never played the first one. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I recommended a game to Guy on the last podcast. So it's, it's your turn now. This is a game that you can literally finish in, I'd say, about four hours from what I remember. Yeah. Um, but it's a great experience. Like, I, I would recommend sitting down and playing Hellblade 1, and, and maybe it'll get you more hyped for, for, for the second one. I mean, but what were your thoughts on what you saw? Yeah, it looks really, really cool. It's very intriguing. Um, I really, when I get time, I really like narratively driven games, especially, as I said, ones that you can do in a weekend. I think. I'll probably install this at some point this week on my PC, and then when I get a couple of evenings where the wife's busy or you know, or something like that, I might sit and sit and play through with it, or I might save it for when we move houses. There'll definitely be some nights where we'll need some quiet time. So yeah, I think um, I'm definitely going to play the first one before this comes out because it looks quite intriguing. I kind of like. It looks more mis. I know it's obviously again, it's kind of like sort of semi-fantasy, but it looks more like a mystery, doesn't it, than it does pure fantasy. So yeah, it's it's a head. The first one is a head fuck. That's how you describe the game. It's a head fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, definitely play the first one. I realised I didn't do release dates, even though I said I would. So I'll go back through a couple. Uh, Fable: South of Midnight. We haven't got any yet. Star Wars: Twenty Twenty Four. 33 miles 2024, payday 21st of uh, September, uh, Persona 3 2024, Avowed 2024, Legend of Monkey Island, Steve thing, um, uh, 20th of July, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator 24, other thing, who cares, November, um, Hellblade 2 2024, go on, um, we'll skip through a few, uh, well, two, Like a Dragon, never played it really. Downloaded one, never played it. Uh, Fallout 76, yeah, still exists, chugging along. Um, Carl, pronounce this for me. <laughs> Kunitsu Gami, Path of the Goddess, um, is, I think, I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I thought this was a new Amanusha game. Um, hmm. I've been waiting for uh, Capcom to come out with a new Amanusha. I think it might have been part of their leak that they were. Um, working on a new one. And, and I, I kind of, you know, the, the, the Capcom have a history of starting games that are meant to be in one series and then it creating a whole new series. Like, for example, they had, uh, the, the kind of RPG Sweet Home back on the 
NES or SNES, one of the one of the two, um, which was kind of a, a cult classic of theirs. And they were originally kind of doing a, a reimagining of that for PS1, and that turned into Resident Evil. They then were doing Resident Evil 4, and that turned into Devil May Cry. So they, they had priors for this. So I'm wondering if they were working on an Amanusha game, and if it just kind of took kind of a step too far to the left and they decided to just make it a whole new series um and and this is what we got and and i I will be kind of keeping out an eye for interviews and stuff on this very subject to see if that's what they reveal um but it, it looks cool i love my kind of japanese kind of samurai kind of horror kind of vibe like like on Amusha and, and this seems to have it in spades so um, definitely one I'll, I'll check out and, and again another great get for Game Pass yeah most definitely um, Forza out in uh, 10th of October not really worth talking about apart from they all so close to having cars on stage again but it was lucky somewhere else <laughs> uh, but at least it wasn't stupidly long like the first time uh, Elder Scrolls Online, yeah, Overwatch 2, don't yeah. ask me. Uh, Persona 5 Tactica, I mean, we already talked about the Persona 3, but Carl Tactica uh, a bit different. Yeah, I mean, as I, I said, I touched on it when talking about 3. Like, it, it was, a, it's a shame it leaked, but it was, unlike Persona 3, it, it isn't rumoured. I, I love my turn-based tactical RPGs, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics and, and Vandal Hearts and, and the like. So this is definitely right right up my alley. So again, as, as I said, the whole persona kind of trend here, great, great get for, for Game Pass. Absolutely, all the Japanese. Um, excuse me, I've clicked off a tab. Uh, Starfield advert, we can back to that. Um, Jusant? Jusant. This climbing looks- game. This looks like something that'll be either really therapeutic, because there don't appear to be bosses, fights, violence, and it looks like it's just exploring, but it also looks like it might be one of those absolute rage-inducing moments, like when you're playing Ori and you can't do the fucking jumping puzzle, or you're playing Destiny and you can't do the even worse fucking jumping puzzle. Right, so I'm hoping it's one of those like nice, calming experiences. But I do worry it's going to make me want to throw my TV through a wall. But I will definitely be playing it. Yeah, I'd probably I'll probably give it a go just to see what it's like. Um, that's out in autumn this year. Uh, still wakes the deep. This is is this the oil oil rig horror type? Yeah, yeah. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to have a – the Chinese room, obviously, you know, I've heard good things about their, their past projects, but I haven't played any myself. Um, but, you know, again, what you can say is it, it's another game in Game Pass, and, it, you know, it's coming from a, a you know, a renowned indie developer, let's say, you know, not one of the kind of the, the big names, but nonetheless one that that's known, so – you know, another another thing in Game Pass, another thing to make that value even more valuable. Absolutely. Uh, Dungeons of Hinterberg, just watching it in the background on YouTube. See, I'm Hard to describe. That, <laughs> I'm thinking of getting a handheld PC for when I'm sat, when I don't want to be sat in my office, but I'm sat on the sofa and the other half's watching some crap on TV. We kind of want to be in the same room, but don't want to watch the same thing. And I'm quite mm. thinking of getting like the ROG Ally or something for that. And this looks like 
quite a fun, playable game to play on a handheld. It looks like it's lots of little dungeons, a little bit of exploring, a bit of puzzles. Not, yeah. bit of puzzles, not too stressful, not going to like scream and shout. I can sit here with my he- headphones in and not annoy her. But I can still press pause and go and get her a glass of wine and she had a crap day. Yeah. Do you know what? So, like, and there's quite a few. Like, when I watch there, like, have you seen the... They've got, like, an indie showcase, haven't they, with, like, ten... It's, like, one video mm-hmm. with ten different games in. And it looks like there's quite a few little bits coming out on Game Pass where having a handheld becoming more and more appealing, like 33 Immortals, because you can just pick it up and play a bit. I juice on, again, to another one. But, yeah, I think it looks... um. It's like one of those, an under-the-radar game that I'll definitely give a go. Yeah, it may not be the biggest thing from the showcase, but it'll definitely have its fire. Oh, probably similarly to um, Hi-Fi Rush from the um, developer direct thing they did a few months ago. Um, might be a little sleeper pickup. Um, Cyberpunk 2077. I was probably going to skip over this, but I'll probably play this. Either <laughs> um, Salva? Well, no, I just... Because I played it even when it was in its shit state, and I really enjoyed it. But it was still disappointing, but I enjoyed it. So if this is the game where it's finally got to a state where they thought it would be at release, I may start it again and then go into the DLC and see if it's really developed by then. But this is out in um, in uh, September, um, at the end of September. So I'll probably give it a bash. Comes in, I bought the fucking game. I might as well get the DLC as well. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's good and it can kind of rub off some of the stink on Cyberpunk. Um, yeah, I, I think it works out well for me timing-wise as well because I um, started Cyberpunk last year and then obviously there was a the whole getting married and going on honeymoon and stuff thing, getting a dog. It all kind of sidetracked me. So I've kind of been planning to get back into it, you know, in the immediate future. I was only just kind of out of the prologue type of thing. So, you know, there's no point for me to start again. I still remember what happened kind of at the start of the game. You know, you, you, you've you got, um, you know, the, the most likable man in the world in your head. What's not to love? Um, so, you know, I think by the time I kind of get through this immediate game, by the time I kind of chip through it, I'd say this DLC will just be kind of coming out. So I'll probably just naturally continue on to the DLC. And, you know, Idris Abba, he might not be the most liked man in the world, but he's up there. So, you know, mm. what's not the love? The only thing is, it comes out the same month as Starfield. Now, it's at the it's different ends of the month, but Starfield looks like it could take over a life. So, well, we'll come to Starfield. I've left that till last first. Well, for chronological reason. Um, City Skylines 2 thought it was SimCity. You don't know why. Um, I've never read. Really, Dabble with stuff like Jura- the Jurassic Park park builders, and obviously everyone played Rollercoaster Tycoon if you were born around my age, um, and Zoo Tycoon. But I've never really done the whole city building thing. But I mean, it looks good, but I don't think they translate that well to concept. So uh, I don't know what the hell happened there. Um, but anyway, we'll move on. Metaphor, Carl's already talked about. Um, Towerborn. I actually can't remember what that is. Do you remember what that was, Stephen? No, I don't think I saw the trailer to that one. Uh, and I can't even spell. We will come back to it when Carl's dealt with what the hell happened in his house. <laughs> um, Stephen, Clockwork Revolution. I 
Carl alluded to it earlier, the um, uh, Bioshock Infinite literally looks the exact same, but it'll be interesting to see how they differentiate it. I'm sure I've seen it tagged as more of an RPG rather than an action-adventure game. So if if they can put their own spin on like this Bioshock Infinite-type world with more RPG elements, but... I do trust in Exile to to make good games, so it it does look like a copy, but I think it'll be good and it looks promising. Yeah, I think I'll just patiently wait and see. I think too many people have tried to emulate Bioshock and it's not an easy thing to do, right? So um, I'm not disinterested, but I'm also not excited, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, yeah, I think it's basically so. somebody, somebody I will play it and be like, come on, go and play it. And then I'll be like, okay, now I'll go and play it. Yeah. Though that took eight years for Destiny for me to go and actually go and play it from someone telling me to. So, you know, I'll take a while. Well, you enjoy Destiny, don't you? <laughs> so, maybe listen earlier this time. Oh, I remember what Towerborn was. It was like the uh, co op fighting, sidey, scrolly type game thing. It looks good. Um, I'll probably play that because it'll be in... Is it in Game Pass? Yes, it is in Game Pass, but it's 2024. So 2024 will be the busiest thing ever. Um, but Clockwork Revolution, it's good to see what In Exile are up to because it's been a while. I think there's rumours they're making other games, so we might see more of them in the coming years or events or whatever. But no time period on that, so I'd guess, unless it's ahead of schedule, maybe very late 2024 or certainly 2025. Um... A new console, Stephen, kind of one of the last things to talk about before Starfield. Um, it's weird because obviously the Series S, I think it started off as a really good idea. And then pe- as more and more games kind of disappointing launches and stuff like that, it's maybe the Series S is holding it back a bit. But to release a new one with a bit more memory, it <laughs> they're obviously committed to it, but... I wonder if there's ever going to be a period where they just go, yeah, you kind of have to go to get a Series X, lads. I had a Series X and I never used it because of building my PC um, a couple of years ago. Just never used it. I haven't turned on since Christmas, so it's gone. I am quite tempted um, at some point to pick up a Series S again, but more for the kids because there's a couple of games that the kids mm. have to be asked to play on like the Disney version of Animal Crossing. So a Black Series S with a terabyte of storage is probably all I'd ever need. So actually, I don't think it's a terrible idea. Uh, one of my nephews has got a Series S, and he just plays FIFA and Call of Duty. And he plays them on a 1080p TV at 60 frames a second, and it does the job. So um, I like people say that the Series S is holding back game development, but I actually think it's more when studios have got a support the previous generation consoles is the problem. So I think it's, you know, and we know we know Microsoft like to do slimmer or different color versions of their consoles every couple of years. So I think it's fine. It'll probably find its way into my house at some point next year for the stuff that's just playing Sonic with my kids or, you know, stuff that's not intense because I've got mm-hmm. a PC for that stuff. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Carl, you seem to be back, or I hope you're back from your yeah, computer no, exploding I'm, or whatever. I'm back. Um, 
Clockwork Revolution, you hinted at the, uh, we'll go back to that, we hinted at the Bioshock copy. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they make, how In Exile make their own unique spin on this, but it, it did look very much the same. Yeah, uh, shockingly so. Again, this was another one that uh, I think Jez kind of saw early on and, and said it was a shooter, kind of an RPG shooter. And um, so we kind of knew it was that kind of game, which was somewhat new for an Ixod. They were more known for the isometric PC RPGs and their, obviously the, the Wasteland games. Which I, know, I think you dabbled with one of the Wasteland games, Guy, if I remember yeah, rightly. Just finished free, actually. Um, so like they're a great developer, but this is something new for them. Like they're kind of stepping into an area where, where their, their fellow studios already have a lot. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting and it, it means obviously they're going to be greatly compared with, with, with said games, which is, is a risk. And, and, and now they're going to be compared with another game because, this just, I mean, I saw after, like, after, obviously we were all thinking it. We were like, is Bioshock Infinite, you know, this, this seems way too close. And I saw after it's actually someone that worked. Now, I don't think it was someone um, from um, the, the studio that worked on Bioshock Infinite, but I think it was like a freelancer that worked on the trailers. And they were posting on Twitter kind of these all like side by side images that looked a lot where you had like kind of a, a you know, a statue in the background and, you know, kind of a, an airship. And, and there was a, a character, even a character that like, a, you know, was a, a you know, a, a woman of color that had a sca- headscarf, like a scarf around her neck. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Like, and I, I think Microsoft had to come out and say, oh, you know, it's, it's just kind of coincidental. <laughs> but it's, it's just not a good look in that way. Like, you know, whatever, you know, I know every game is inspired by another game in one sense or another. Um, obviously, that's how things work. But this just seemed a little too close for comfort. And I think, you know, you know, at the very least, this means there's going to be a lot of direct comparisons drawn. And Bioshock Infinite is a fantastic game. I don't think that's really a game you want to be drawing yourself against. I mean, but that, that's just how I see it. It. I do wonder, obviously, them, I think they labelled it as an RPG, so I think I'm guessing that'll be how they differentiate it much more than action-adventure that is Bioshock-type thing. So if it's more, not open-worldy, but you can explore rather than, was it, I think it was, was it Booker, I think the name of the bloke was? Rather than exploring Booker and Elizabeth's um, story, it, it could be interesting if you can kind of tell your own story but yeah the the setting doesn't help <laughs> um that's basically it apart from starfield and i say that rather weirdly i don't know why because starfield and carl I'll start with you because i think this is more your cup of tea than stevens um for me it looked fucking phenomenal like it's because it's bethesda it's never going to look like god of war or whatever but for what a bethesda game is for the world you explore and the stories you can create in there and being able to create penis ships. Um, I, d- I cannot under, I cannot overestimate, overstate the word I'm looking for, the excitement for this, because I just want a new Bethesda world to just have a fucking mooch about in. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, same as yourself, I'm a big Bethesda fan, you know, dating back to uh, Philip Livian, 
was like I dabbled in Morrowind, but Oblivion was was the one that really hooked me in. And you know, I, I put a good the good the best part of two hundred hours, I'd say, into Skyrim. Uh, similar into Fallout Three. Um, obviously, um, Fallout New Vegas was a was a an Obsidian game, so it doesn't quite count. But I put a lot of time into that too. And then Fallout Four came along, and look, I put a lot of time into Fallout Four. I platinumed it. But I feel like it lost me quicker than kind of the previous Bethesda games had. And I think that's largely because, you know, it's stale. They were still using the same engine. It looked the same. It played the same. But it feels like, you know, they've finally done something new here. You know, it, 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 you know, it's, it's obviously, it, it is the same at its core, but it's got a very shiny coat of paint on it. And, and, you know, it, it's a new setting as well. It's not Fallout. It's not, it's not, uh, Elder Scrolls. You know, you're in space. Um, and have we really ever had, like, we've had open world games in space, but not in this sense, you know, uh, you know, this isn't No Man's Sky. Like, this is like a, a Fallout Elder Scrolls game in space. And that is, is something new. And that, that's something massive. Um, I mean, just getting an idea of how it's going to play, you know, the fact you, you, you have your ship, you can have a crew, you can get involved in space battles, you can improve your ship, you can land on planets and explore them. And like, it, you know, obviously it's not a sense of you land on a planet, you can explore this whole massive planet and, you know, cause that, like, God knows what that, how long that game would, would take to, to complete and to make for that matter. Um, but, it's definitely more expansive than say like the mass effect approach of having you land on a planet and then you just have this little kind of 20 minute level. Um, it, it's more than that. It seems like it just looks like unreal. And the only problem is, as you alluded to earlier, like it almost feels like this game's going to be a full time job. Like I, I think this game would probably drive Steve up the wall given his peeve because I said, this isn't going to be a hundred hours. This is going to be. 200 hours plus and the people who really want to will probably get three 400 hours out of this game like it's going to be insanely massive and um, but I, I just can't wait I, you know I'm, I'm kind of accepting now that i might get it you know I, I won't be able to play this the same way i played past bethesda games but nonetheless i'm so excited to play this one yeah, same for me. Same for me. And Stephen, you've kind of mentioned you obviously don't have the time or patience really to to drop a hundred hours in, but you must have experienced oh. the Bethesda games in the past. And how do you feel about this and them? Obviously, I do drop a hundred hours into the games. Like I got my you know my annual email from Bungie that I'd spent a hundred eighty hours on. Destiny doesn't count this year. Um, I've got a group of fun friends we play together a lot. And if if Starfield had been multiplayer, even if it was just co-op, it looks really interesting. I could have seen myself dropping the time into it. But because I don't get as much gaming time as I would like, I tend to spend more of it playing things that I can do multiplayer and co-op. So, you know, I'm not a PvP Destiny player. It's all about playing the campaign and the story with my friends. So um, if this had been co-op, it would have been right on my street. But as you alluded to, I just don't know if I've... I've never played any of the Fallout games, for example. I just don't think I've got 
the personal time to spend a mm. hundred plus hours playing a single player game. I've had Death Stranding installed on my PC for months, haven't played it. Mm. I've had Last of Us pre-ordered before it came out on PC and I've not even downloaded it yet. Um, that one sounds like a lucky escape to be fair. <laughs> on PC well, at least. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll wait, I'll wait till they patch it before I play it now. But um, I just find it really hard to find around work, kids, and obviously the wife as well. You know, finding time to sit and play that much into a game but everything else, I just don't have it. But when I do play, I tend to play multiplayer. But um, I'll definitely, I'll definitely try. But a combination of the time of the skills tree may end up getting in my way. Yeah, I think obviously we mentioned Game Pass throughout. I think you can at least give it a bash without dropping 70, 80 quid on it. Um, and then almost be like, I regret this. Um, so yeah, you can dabble in and out, and if it if it is for you, at least it'll be something vast. To... And the, I think the thing with Bethesda games is not something you have to hammer. I think feel like maybe especially with the Elder Scrolls rather than Fallout, you can just dip your toe in every now and again because it's quite easy to keep up. So yeah, because the same with Mass Effect, like when I tried to play Mass Effect, like. If you left it too long, you'd go back to it and you, you'd forget what was going on. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's much more intertwined stories in game like Mass Effect where you're like, do I like you or not? <laughs> are you my friend? Why are you yeah, big? I'd, I'd have a lot of, why am I doing this again? Yeah, exactly. So Whereas it, it, oh, it, Starfield's like, I'll have a mooch over here. I'll have a look over here. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, as we're nearly two hours, we'll maybe do the next two quite quickly, but they're already short as well. But um, overall thoughts on the Xbox showcase, I'll, I'll give mine first. I would, if I went for a grade, I'd probably say eight out of, eight and a, eight and a half out of ten. The only thing that holds it back for me is some of it's in at least 2025 and the 2024 stuff. And I think it's the most sensible thing to do it was 2024 rather than a period of 2024. So I'd guess Hellblade would be early 2024, but like it wasn't confirmed to us. That's the only thing from holding it back to being near, basically perfect for me. Um, but yeah, Carl, your thoughts on the overall Xbox one? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really good. It's the strongest showing Xbox have had in a long time. There was a lot there, but what I will say is timing is everything. And I I wonder if, let's say they just separated out things. Let's say they've taken the showcase and taken the, the, the deep dive into Starfield. And maybe they've just gone with the Starfield deep dive here in June. And then they put the showcase on later in the year. Because I'm pretty sure virtually every game is 2024 and beyond. Uh, and then they'd shown this game, and this was kind of given us an insight of what we were going to see in 2024. And we knew 2024 was on the horizon. I think then we'd be looking at this in an even more positive light. As you say, it's, it's just that, that delay. because, And I think it's just because Xbox have burned us so much in the past by announcing things way too far out. Um, and, and that's something I think Sony obviously do a lot differently because Sony are always just looking to the next thing. Like, and, and Nintendo, similarly, it's kind of 
the next six months, the next six months, the next six months. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it was a very, very good showing. Lots of great looking games, but I just think it's, it's a shame that they're a little further out than maybe we'd like. Yeah. And Stephen, your overall thoughts on the, the Xbox show? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. The stuff that's coming out. I kind of counter slightly what you're saying, Carl, by saying that if you're a Game Pass subscriber, they're showing you because, and obviously that they what the summer's when all the games were announced, but Christmas is when all the consoles are sold, right? So if you're like a Game Pass subscriber or considering being a Game Pass subscriber, they're showing you the roadmap of what's coming. They've got a lot better at getting stuff delivered, and a lot of those studios aren't even Microsoft Studios, but they're Game Pass exclusives, right? So I think for that that customer base or user base or people who are considering it. I thought it was a great showcase because there is such a variety of content from massive RPGs to indie games to some really interesting story-driven stuff, you know, that we've talked about. So, uh, like Midnight South, for example. So, I thought it was really, really positive. And I kind of, for me, it kind of shows why, like, I think the console wars are pointless because people who own PlayStations, the games that come out on PlayStation are quite different. And the games that come out on PlayStation at the moment aren't games I particularly have a massive burning desire to play, so I don't feel like I've missed it. Whereas a lot of the stuff that was in the Xbox showcase were things I was like, oh, I, I want to try that, I want to try that, and now they're on Game Pass. It doesn't matter if I don't like it. I've given it a go, and if I do like it, like when I played Unmogsman 3, you know, I absolutely loved that game and ended up actually buying it because I wanted to kind of play it when it came off, of it, when it came off of Game Pass. So I think from that perspective, I'm a bit biased, but I thought it was a really good showing, and I thought some of the trailers were great and showed some great content. I think, you know, we've got to wait a while for Fable, but the quality of content they showed for something that's probably 18 months away, I still thought it's got a lot of time to build up hype, but I'd rather they took the time and got it right, but kept showing us that it's definitely happening than nothing. So, yeah, I thought it was a really good showcase. Yeah, and if everything does deliver in 2024, it could literally be the best year in Xbox history. And then, if it is 2025, you'll then have Fable, South of Midnight, and Clockwork Revolution, maybe at the Game Awards, maybe at next year's E3, with a bit more confirmation when it's actually coming out. So, if this is the start, finally the start of Xbox's acquisitions coming to fruition, yeah, we'll, we'll look back at this much more. Well, not even much more. Just looking at this glowingly as the starting point, hopefully. And I know people don't like to talk about it or accept it, but it's been really hard for studios having to change their ways of working for the last two or three years. Yeah. So there's been no reason. There's been no surprises being delayed to all kinds of games because it's been harder to get them done. So and as a customer and a consumer, it's a bit annoying because you've got to wait longer. But I think people are getting back into their rhythm again. So I think we'll start to see more release dates across the board getting hit and a lot less bug, unless it's Call of Duty or Destiny, you know, games coming out that you can actually play when they come out. So I think it, I think it's a, I think 2024 will be a positive, like a net positive for, for all the platforms, especially with the releases that are on there. Absolutely. 
Um, we'll do Ubisoft and Capcom quite quickly, just near two hours. I think we are at two hours now. Um, Carl, I mean, anything from Ubisoft? I mean, we obviously did the big one with Star Wars there. Uh, but anything to pick out from the Ubisoft? I can't speak Ubisoft, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as I said, we, we already touched on, on Star Wars. Um, and we also talked about Prince of Persia, which are probably two, two of the bigger ones. Um, I mean, outside that, I, I think that the most notable things um, for me are probably Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. And um, I was intrigued, um, but I, I think it's striking kind of that it's massive entertainment that are working on both that and Star Wars Outlaws. And I kind of wonder, is it like the A team working on Outlaws and, and the B team that's been left on, on Avatar? Um, because it... it, it it looks a lot more generic, I, I feel, in, in, in terms of its, its gameplay. Um, but I am intrigued in kind of an open world game set in, in that world of, of Avatar. Um, it, it was cool to see kind of, I know it's a Netflix show, it's in the game, but Captain Hawk, Captain Laserhawk, a, a Blood Dragon remix. And we've waxed lyrical about how much we love Castlevania on this podcast. And obviously it's the same showrunner. So. Um, I, I'm excited for for that one. And and your game guy, your game Skull and Bones was back. We got we got this fantastic musical performance um, for for this game. I mean, oh my god, did they go big with it? Get hyped! It is like I do not see it's like a live musical. Some band played like a, a live musical performance, um, and then they kind of. Uh, you know, it was, it was like a Skull and Bone song, and then um, they announced kind of that there's a closed beta in August. So uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll be you'll be applying for that one, guy, to finally get in on your pirate ships. <laughs> Maybe uh, we'll see how desperate I am. At and then lastly, we can add a montage of it before they got into Star Wars. There's going to be a montage of Assassin's Creed games. Two of them we'd already heard about. Obviously, Mirage. It's, it's out in October. And um, I, I like it in a way because I, I talked. We talked about it on the podcast before. I believe like it's it's kind of going back more to a contained Assassin's Creed experience. You know, we we moved away from that and we got into these 100 hour long games like Odyssey and, and their origins and the like. And now since they're moving back to, to that, it's also very inspired in terms of its setting, a similar setting to the very first Assassin's Creed game. And again, I always get into my little kind of conspiracy theories. I'm wondering if this was maybe initially been looked at as like a remake of the first Assassin's Creed because yeah. people have long asked for that. And then, you know, it, it changed direction and, and came based around this side character from, from the last game. Um, but I, I suppose that the new announcement Assassin's Creed was was Nexus VR, which is uh, a, a VR title from Redstorm, which is coming out later this year. And um, I mean, it, it both intrigued me and disappointed me. It, it intrigued me in the way I think it's pretty cool of kind of pulling on a, on a, a headset and getting to pretend you're Assassin. But on the other hand, it very much looks like this little experience. You know, you're, they're bringing back three of the kind of popular characters from the series in the past. And it's very like contained levels. You know, it's not like what I really, really want from VR, which is like pulling on a headset and feeling like I'm suddenly in another world. Uh, I still feel like we're, we're a, a, a few steps away from that, let's say. Um, and, and that's when VR will, will really, really get, get, get my interest i mean was there anything that that stood out for either of you in terms of trailers you might have saw from this showcase i still haven't played a division game i think i probably will now i think i'll probably give resurgence a go 
if you if you like just... Destiny, it's like a worse version of Destiny. Isn't it? Um, no, it's a bit different from Destiny, but I think if you like that sort of game and you can get a good set of mates to play the division, I'm not sure if the story contents changed because it's been out a while now, but it's a nice little campaign to run through and it gets quite challenging towards the end. And yeah, I enjoyed the first division yeah. as well. I had to. Good experience of friends. Not as good as Destiny, but, but good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought, obviously we've talked about it, but um, Outlaws looks just a good crack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But Assassin's Creed's kind of part. I know you're a fan, Carl, but it's passed me by, so maybe I'll give it a go if it ends up on Game Pass. But nothing really jumped out to me. I feel like X Defiance, the type of shit my mates will make me play. So I'll probably end up on that. Um, unwillingly. <laughs> but it look, hopefully it's, a, it's a, I haven't watched it this, but I've watched the, when the, the stream has had access to it. It looks a bit more arcadey, so a bit like older Call of Duty. So it could be interesting, but I wouldn't exactly trust Ubisoft to make that. But anyway, it could be fun. Um, Capcom, Carl. Um, we've obviously talked about a few of these. Um, Mega Man, we've not had a chance to. Resident Evil, I think we did on the PlayStation show last week or two weeks ago. Pragmata will come back to. <laughs> um, Ghost Trick, uh, Apollo Justice, Ace Attorney Trilogy, Capcom Town, Capcom, Capcom ID, Exo Primal, Mad Game. Uh, did, is, was there anything new for Dragon's Dogma, or was it just a repeat of the PlayStation thing? Uh, they they kind of expanded on it a bit more, played, showed more gameplay, and talked about kind of the, the core features of the first game that are, are returning. Um, but there was no release date, unfortunately, which was I was really hoping they'd end it with a release date for Dragon's Dogma, oh, so I was, I was disappointed by that. But, I mean, I, I really loved the first Dragon's Dogma. I said that on the last podcast. I'll definitely be playing this one, and I, I think you'd really enjoy the, the first one. So I hope you follow up on my uh, recommendation of it. After but, Diablo. Um, yeah, but it, it just seems like more of the same, but that's, that's, that's a, a good thing in my eyes. Um, but yeah, this Capcom showcase, there wasn't too much. These kind of smaller showcases, they always kind of save the big announcements for, you know, your opening night or your Xbox or your PlayStation. So you're not going to get that much here. I think the two announcements were Mega Man X Dive Offline, which is a kind of a port of a mobile game and the Apollo Justice Ace Attorney trilogy. And I know people love their Ace Attorney games and, and people are delighted that they're finally bringing all these games that were trapped on old handhelds and stuff to modern console. And um, so I'm sure this will be popular again, but I've never really dabbled in, in the series. Um, but what really stood out to me from this show, the one thing that did was Pragmata, because this is a game that was unveiled at, I think, the first PlayStation 5 event, I want to say, um, yes. you know, way back when and was listed for a 2022 release. And it got pushed back to 2023, but they didn't really show anything again. And people thought this game was gone, that it was cancelled. But then we got a brand new trailer here in which they managed to kind of have an apology for the game being delayed in the, the, the trailer. The little kid like drops the piece of paper and it, 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 it kind of has enough the apology on it. Um, so it's, it's funny that way, but, um, 
it's a, it's a weird game. Like it looked less weird this time than its first real first time. I think it looked so weird that people thought it might be a Kojima involved game. So that tells you how weird. Um, now it kind of it kind of gave me vibes of um, um, I'm blanking. It was a platinum game. Um, I'll get the name now. But it, um, it, you know, obviously, it looks like you're you've kind of got this you're this action space guy and you know fast paced shooting. But then you've also got uh, this little girl with you who seems to have like psychic powers um, and you know little girls that can be quite creepy when they want to be Vanquish and so it kind of gave me a little kind of Vanquish vibes and I love Vanquish I'm not saying it's going to be you know as good as Vanquish or exactly like that but it, it gave me those vibes um, I, I'm I'm intrigued by this one you know Capcom are good at making weird games and I think we had a lot of them here like Kunitsu Gami Path of the Goddess Pragmata and, and Exo Primal, they are weird games. But Capcom have always been the, the 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 publisher that make weird games, but they make good weird games. So I'm I'm intrigued by Pragmata. I'd be intrigued to see when it finally gets an actual release date that they can stick to. Anything from you, Stephen, on the Capcom one? Oh, I play Street Fighter for the first time in ten years. Nice, nice. But uh. uh Nothing, nothing really. <clears throat> so I think, um, I think so much of the stuff that I'm interested in was covered off by the Xbox showcase. That was the peak moment. And even the non, even the, the main Ubisoft stuff was covered off there. So yeah, but nothing really captured me. Yeah, I'd probably be the same with you. I think Dragon's Dogma was obviously at the PlayStation one a couple of weeks ago. Exo Primal just looks like a vibe. Um, but other than that, I think it's stuff we've seen before, really. Um, but before we finish, I'll finish with um, Game of the Shows. Uh, Stephen, what, what was your favourite game of all the shows, or what you watched? Uh, trailer was Fable, gameplay was Outlaws. I like it. Uh, Carl? Uh, I'm going to throw on my big Japanese nerd head and, and say metaphor re Fantasio because it was, you know, as so the other Persona stuff was kind of spoiled. But this is a complete surprise. And, you know, uh, as I said, it may well be an exclusive to Xbox based on what we know so far. And it, it's just a massive get. And so I'm really intrigued by it. And I, I really liked what I saw. I will be boring if it is Starfield. <laughs> um, but that is it for us. It's obviously been a mega podcast, but there was a lot to cover. Not sure when we'll be back, but hopefully it's not some crappy news about Xbox acquisitions or anything like that. But hopefully there is something um, fun to talk about in the next show. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for you two for joining me. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.